wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome to Auto Off Topic. Uh, hi, Brad. Uh, I guess, um, uh, let's see, Mary Toyotathon? Uh, yes. Yeah, you have a lot of Toyotas, so that's why I figured. Sure, I also have a lot of Mopars, so also Mary Chrysler. Okay. So, not a, whatever. That's uh, um, this December to remember. It's not. It's not. You have a brand new Honda on order, so it could be Honda days for you, because you actually purchased a brand new Honda. Yeah. Well, happy Honda days. Yeah. You you haven't seen it yet, and it's a very small two wheeled Honda, but it's a Honda nonetheless. So, I actually saw a person who I know out here bought one for their eight year old son. That seems a little uh, in uh, not great. <laughs> A Moto Compacto? Seems like a little bit. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? I kind of missed the first part because yeah. I was coughing. This is why we didn't do a podcast oh, last week. I said week you bought a, I said, yeah. And then I got sick after you. I think I caught it through the internet. Yeah. Um. No, I said happy Honda days to you because you bought a brand new Honda. I for, Yeah, I forgot I did. That's not showing up now till right. <laughs> January. That's interesting because people guess. have been getting deliveries of them. So Yeah, I guess that's a whole thing kind of weird because they said mid-december and then i emailed them like nope sorry january like okay because i literally ordered it yeah they probably yeah maybe they just didn't expect the demand that they got so yeah nonetheless this year this year it is decided it's happy honda days because andrew brought a new honda so okay okay fair enough you actually supported one of these days yes i did that's where we're at anyway yes it is uh Two days before the uh, Christmas holiday, so yeah, days, days. Uh, Thursday, right? It is Thursday. Thursday and I feel like it's a month away, but it's only three days nope, away. Nope, it went very fast. Uh, and often in the past, we've done gifts on air, but I just didn't get anything out to you yet, and you're not here in person, so. And there is a gift currently in tra- in uh, in shipping between here and there too, so. Yeah, you're gonna get a New Year's right. present uh, box. You'll have it. You'll have it before Christmas, so I win. But nonetheless, it uh, is not here already, so should be there tomorrow. I think. Check the tracking number, but uh, yeah, it, it feels like Christmas is still probably I don't know a month or two away. Uh, not to do our typical and bring up the weather already, but we're actually having record warmth here in Phoenix. 
uh, which is odd for Christmas. I'll put it that way. It's, uh, I think it was 78 degrees today. Hmm. It's warm. It doesn't feel like hmm. Christmas. I had the air conditioning on in the car. I mean, it didn't feel like Christmas so. anytime I've been out there because it's usually in the 70s. Yeah, but there's a difference. No, I'm not going to get into it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's got, you've heard got it enough. lights I'll on palm right trees. There. It doesn't feel like Christmas. I don't like, have uh, lights on palm trees. I have lights. People get fake snow. I have lights on real trees up front. Yeah, people get fake snow sprayed on the trees. That's a weird. That's thing. not something that I've seen here in Phoenix. I saw that you can purchase flocked Christmas trees in California. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it here in Phoenix yet, though. Yeah. So nonetheless, weird. Yeah, it is. It is what it is. But usually, usually it's a little cooler than it is now. And I've become, you know, obviously I've been here for what, four or five years now. So I've become adapted to the temperatures. And when the temperatures are a few degrees warmer, it uh, it feels weird. So I, I love wintertime here because it's cold enough to like wear my New England flannels and be comfortable. But today it was just too dang hot and I could not. So. For the first day of winter, we had record highs. <laughs> so the previous record was like 77 in like 1985. So it's definitely not been this warm for a while here. But anyway, <clears throat> doesn't feel like Christmas. It is Christmas. Somehow I'm mostly ready. So there we go. <laughs> uh, moving on to automotive related things. Yep. You want to do some project car updates, Andrew? I assume you don't have any. I don't. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, I will carry I, the torch. Again, I've been feeling so feel, I'll I'll try not to The eclipse. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It is it is what it is. It's Christmas time. We missed a week because you were sick, and if people don't want to hear you cough, they can miss two weeks. How's that sound? So <laughs> I made a little progress on the eclipse. Obviously, I think last time we spoke, I had kind of at a standstill because the head needed to go to the machine shop said head is at the machine shop now i found a machine shop nearby that was willing to take the job in and have it done within a couple of weeks the first shop that i called that i was recommended by all of the mitsubishi people said that they couldn't get it in until end of february and that seemed well a bit yeah that was a bit excessive i didn't want to wait till the end of february to get it in so that machine shop actually recommended another machine shop that they work with sometimes, who usually is a little bit less busy. It's, it seems like the first shop I was recommended is kind of a one-man like backyard operation who does a lot of race car stuff, and he just is over his, over his head and work. So he recommended a different shop for me um, here in North Phoenix that I did drop the cylinder head off earlier this week. And uh, then waited to hear the prognosis and all of the the good news slash bad news that it would be in order to get this thing put back together. So I heard back a couple days ago and a Mitsubishi 4G634 cylinder has exactly 16 valves. And uh, I bent all 16 of them. So that's good. Yeah, winner, winner. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100% accuracy. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, you, you snap a timing belt, the motor doesn't stop instantly. And 
if something is turning at four or 5,000 RPM, that's how many times per second? Like it's a lot of times per second. If there's 60 seconds in a minute and you're doing something 5,000 times in that minute, that's, I mean, exponential from that, from that one time a second. It's, was that a hundred times a second? Like that's close to it anyway. 80 times a second. That's a lot. So even if the motor stops pretty much instantly, it still spins around a lot and enough a lot to smash valves. So it uh, smashed all 16 valves. So 16 valves and 12 valve, um, the metal tubes there, Andrew, my my names are escaping me now. Valve guides, thank you. Well, the other thing, it's not like you push the clutch in instantly. It was still connected to the wheels and transmission, so the engine's going to turn. It is. But the valve train's not turning. Yep. So that's I. I think that's the the misnomer is that somebody thinks that when a val- valve train snaps, everything stops instantly. So only the valves that are open are going to get hit by the pistons. But as that belt is breaking, that engine is still spinning until the valve until the belt actually breaks. And once the belt breaks, everything stops in the head. And then you're only left with the valves that are open, smashing the pistons. But there's that; it's everything's so fast that it doesn't. It just doesn't matter. So, like I said, it took out 16 valves and 12 valve guides. So at that point, you might as well buy 16 valves and 16 valve guides, right? Might as well replace them all. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So he's going through the cylinder head. It's going to get 16 valves. It's going to get 16 valve guides. Uh, it's going to get you know, tanked to be cleaned, make sure there's no cracks anywhere. And then it's going to go on the machine and be flattened. Um, not taking any material off of it other than whatever happens when it gets cleaned up. So it's not going to change anything yeah. like that. We're not building a serious hot rod here. We're just putting it back together with stock parts. So theoretically I'll get it back and it'll be ready to pop on the car. I don't think I'll have it back before new year's. It'll probably be sometime in the first week of January. So that's we're kind of at an end pass still. Um, I don't know what machine shop rates are is a typical number, but uh, it's more than I was expecting to spend at the machine shop. We'll put it that way. Yeah. It's uh, it's less than a thousand dollars, but it is more than five hundred dollars. So it's not it's not inexpensive. So this whole entire job, even doing it myself, is probably going to cost me with all parts and everything somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. So that's not that's not ideal, but it's significantly cheaper than paying somebody to do it, I guess, right? And then I have the added benefit of, uh, I guess, knowing it's done right. If I do it right, I have the added non-benefit of if i screw it up and it breaks again it's on me so yeah i mean it's like i don't know it was either this or you throw the car away so that's the point we were at and as you so eloquently pointed out in our discord group uh join the discord if you haven't already send us a send us a note that you want to join we'll send you an invite um that if this was five, ten years ago, I'd have rolled the car in the backyard, not thought about it, and just bought another car. So, not doing that. I'm fixing it. I'm putting it back together. Is it? Does it make financial sense? It doesn't. 
but I don't know. At what point does it not matter? Yeah, that's what I mean. At what point does it not matter? I mean, I don't want to throw the car away. It's a good car. Even if I do sell it on immediately for, I I can't break even on the car now. No matter what I do, it's it'll be a little bit of a loss. But even if I do sell it at a little bit of a loss now, it is what it is. The car still exists, and somebody else can enjoy it. Um, and I'd be able to put more money back in my pocket than just throwing it away, right? Because if I threw it away, I save what fifteen hundred dollars. If I put the car together and it's worth forty five hundred bucks, four four thousand dollars, whatever, somewhere in that range, I don't lose as much. I only lose. This is real fuzzy math now. I only lose the some of the fifteen hundred that I put into it doesn't matter cost right? of experience yeah well the other good thing is anybody that knows you or i knows that there isn't much time that goes by that we don't have a 4g63 in our lives so i've never done this job by myself so it's a learning experience and the more of the same car you work on the better you get so eventually i'll be able to slap together a 4g63 in my sleep I can do a head sure. swap on a G54 Starion motor or a Raider motor now in no time. I've done it so many times in the old Raider, right? Yeah, because so, you never brought it to the machine my... shop. <laughs> um, lessons learned, Andrew. Lessons learned. In fact, the guy at the machine shop is like, I assume you want me to check this when it's done for like flatness and everything too, right? And I was like, um, does anybody ever say no? And he goes, yeah. Some people just want me to do the bare minimum. And I was like, no, please, like, make it perfect. Yeah, I don't want to waste time here. <laughs> I don't want to waste this time and do it. Like, even if it's an extra, like, two or three hundred bucks, I didn't say it out loud, obviously, but I mean, if it's an extra two or three hundred bucks to not pull the cylinder head off the car again, that would be, that would be ideal. So it's being done correctly. That's all I can say. And uh, I've ordered a factory gates replacement belt. Gates replacement timing belts. Um, sorry, balance belt and timing belt. It's got a brand new ASIN water pump coming and a brand new timing belt tensioner coming. The only thing I haven't ordered yet is the timing cover itself. So everything's coming. So as soon as the head's done, hopefully I'll have everything here to do the job. So I can get it together in, I don't know, a weekend or two weekends maybe. I don't think it takes too long to put together, right? It's just learning the process and triple checking and quadruple checking everything to make sure it's done, right? Yeah, you gotta get the timing tools. So, but yeah. Those are on order too. Okay. So everything's coming. Everything will be here. You know, with holiday shipping, I'm sure everything's gonna be delayed anyway, but I don't have the cylinder head yet. So the only thing I can do on the car at this point waiting is just spray a ton of carb clean at the at the side of the motor and clean it up because it's pretty much ready to go so i got new seals for the crank as well so it's all apart might as well put a crank seal in it um yeah anything that's exposed and ready to change i'm not going to put the old one back in uh, i don't know if the head bolts are torqued to yield but i bought new ones anyway I don't remember off the top of my head, so it's fine, yeah. I, I couldn't either, but they didn't cost that much money. So rather than rather than even try 
to to mess around with it. I just went ahead and bought new ones. So the car will be 100% fresh as far as the timing and cylinder head goes. So it is what it is. The only thing I haven't done is I was going to buy new lifters because I wanted to do the updated style. Yeah, definitely. I haven't done that yet because I forgot about it until I was just talking about it right now. So I need to figure out what the best lifters are to buy. Uh, It's just like third gen lifters. And I'd put like aftermarket ones in cars and they're fine. Yeah, it's just because the the oil hole in the original ones is tiny, right? So yeah, they're all, the later ones have a larger opening. You can so they look don't... them up. They're just updated ones. Yeah, it was literally across the board, Mitsubishi's. Yeah, because that'll get rid of the rid of the ticking on startup and the occasional yeah. ticking while running, because the lifters won't be closed. So anyway, that's that's where we're at. I mean, it's not a huge step, but it's a step, right? So it bums me out a little bit, the amount of money it's cost. But like I said, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's, it would probably cost me three or four grand to pay somebody to do it. So yeah, it sure would. Yeah. At least three. So I might as well just do it. So, I mean, I'm past the point. I know we're turning this point anyway. The car's yeah. parked in my driveway, but it is, it is what it is. So when he called with the price to do the head, I was like, ah, oh, like twist the knife in my, in myself a little bit. But like, like we just determined it is the lesser of two evils. It saves the car. And as crazy as it sounds, that's kind of what we're about. Right. You want to save the cars. So yeah, car saved. So Anyway, that's my project car update. I haven't actually worked on anything else. I kind of took I kind of took some time off from working on cars because I had been doing so much with that. Um, I dragged the Colt out of storage and used that for the first time, um, but never anything beyond just using it. I've done any work on it, so that's continues to be the most reliable, best car in the fleet. So. Mm-hmm. Sat all summer, pulled the cover off of it, turned it on, didn't even need a bit of jump, sat right up. So it does need some help. It's at that point in its life. Oh, I did do a look for it coming up pretty soon, I think, on YouTube. I did a video with a former guest and friend of the show, Jalopy Jeff. Yeah. We did a full, without saying it's a direct copy of, but like a, have you ever seen the, Larry Chen, old Hoonigan autofocus videos. Yeah. So like a combination of like the Larry Chen style video and the Petrolicious style video. Jeff wants to start doing some ownership stories. Yeah. So we're uh, we're using my, my car and my talking points as kind of one of those proof of concept videos for him. So we did some, uh, some video shoot with the Colt on Sunday last week. So I drove the car around the city a bit, sat and uh, did some interviews about the car a little bit, and then took a drive with him to a, a car show here in town that was actually pretty pretty rad. So had some good car times, but haven't done any car work, so to speak. So good stuff. But uh, I have been also told that we should stop talking about Toyota Camrys. So 
Oh, darn, because that is this week's topic, yeah. was the history of the Toyota Camry. History of the Toyota Camry. I, I don't want to talk about Toyota Camrys this week, but I do want to talk Toyota Camry, about... Toyota Camry, Toyota Camry, Toyota Camry, Uh Let's talk about a car that exists in the world, but is it rhymes with Bamry. Okay. Uh, I won't say what kind of car it is, so that the listeners can try to ex- figure it out for themselves, but... I do need to bring something up. Okay. The car has ADAS features. What? Advanced drive. ADAS is the industry term now for advanced driver aid systems. That is terrible. Yes, that is, that is the term they've come across. So your radar crews, your, Blind spot monitoring are all part of the ADAS system. So the car has lane centering and lane assist. Mm-hmm. You can turn off lane centering, but you can't turn off lane assist. I don't know if you have much experience with these systems. Yeah. So I don't like them. I rented a Corolla and I thought it had flat tires in the front uh, because it kept wandering, but it was the, it was trying to sear itself in the lanes because we were out in the middle of so, nowhere, Texas and the lanes were not painted very well. Yeah. Most cars, you can turn it off, but all I can turn off is the lane centering. I can't turn off the lane assist. And I didn't even notice it at first because I usually drive the car in the middle of the lane and didn't have an issue and I had lane centering was not defaulted on but lane assist is that's just the one that tells you you're leaving the lane right lane centering it is tells like you the ghost hand on the wheel right so lane centering keeps the car in the middle of the lane yeah lane assist in the Camry anyway so excuse me the Bamry anyway also does a ghost hand on the steering wheel I cannot turn it off Again, it wasn't a huge deal because I hadn't really noticed because I don't usually drive out of the lane. And when you turn your turn signal on, as one does when they're properly driving, it lets you go over the lane and you don't even know what's happening. So I was driving down a road here in Phoenix and a truck had spilled paint out the back of it. So it had like a lane in the middle of the lane that wasn't a lane. Oh, okay. The car freaked out and it caught me by surprise because it yanked the steering wheel as I'm driving and it flung me towards the center of the road because that spilled paint was like slightly to the right of the center. So it tried to keep me on the left side of that spilled paint. But then as it went over to the left, it caught the center line. And it brought me back to that. And the car, like, like Jeep death wobbled back and forth between the two lanes, which weren't lanes, only one's an actual lane. So, I mean, obviously I didn't crash the car or nothing crazy happened. And it didn't actually, like, put me into oncoming traffic. But for somebody who's not expecting that and doesn't know what's happening, I can see this being a huge problem. Well, they'd overcorrect. Because they would exactly somebody might overcorrect, and if, in this particular situation, you might wind up overcorrecting over the center line, 
and crashing into a car coming the other way. Or overcorrecting into the sidewalk and hitting a pedestrian. Like, it just, it was jarring enough for me to be bothered by it. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the world's best driver, but I like to think as car enthusiasts, we're probably more aware of things than a lot of non-car enthusiasts. And who's going to be driving a Toyota Bamry? But usually non-car enthusiasts, right? So I I don't know. Is, is this old man yells at cloud I, or is this a legitimate concern? Really I, no I, way to turn I genuinely... It there's no way in any of the menus to turn it off. If there is some kind of like plug into it and go into menu settings Could through an external it? computer, I haven't yet. No, but I'm also coming at it as a normal consumer, not car enthusiast. Because I am um, a normal consumer is not going to turn that off if it doesn't like I couldn't have a button for it. Figure out how to turn off the hill hold forever on the cross track, and then I finally found a YouTube video. Okay. Well, I'll dig a little into it, but it just from a from a standpoint of average Joe consumer, it seems a little aggressive. And it seems unnecessary, honestly. <laughs> like if it can't differentiate from where it's supposed to be and an error on the road, like and it's not like paint never falls off the back of a truck and makes a line in the road. You you, you see that fairly often, I would say. Or a car drives through wet paint and like <laughs> makes the line go across the lane. I don't know. It was it was bizarre and unsettling. And as a car enthusiast, I definitely hated it. And I just I feel like it would be bad as a normal person driving the car too. Because well, sometimes the lanes are just messed up. Yeah, or a lot of times like during construction when lanes are all weird. Well, they have Jersey barriers that go over and lanes that go straight. I mean, you're pretty close to that Jersey barrier. Is the car going to put you into a barrier? Like, I, I don't know. It just, I don't think I would ever crash the car because of this, but I'm not going to say that everybody in the world wouldn't. So, I don't know. I don't like it. Maybe it's just me being old and crotchety and grumpy old man yelling at cloud, but I, I genuinely think it's bad. Um, if you can't keep the car in a lane on your own, you probably shouldn't be driving, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, advanced driver assist systems. Oh, I have automatic like what is that? So you can drive home drunk. Like, I don't understand what the point of that is. I, I don't even think it would work that way either, because since I've learned that it has this system, I've played with it a bit because now that's the car enthusiast brain, right? Where, how far can you push it? Well, how how far can I push it? How far will it go to the edge before it turns back? And on like an on-ramp to the interstate, because I mean, I live in Phoenix, there's not a lot of curves, let's be honest. So, but like an on-ramp to the interstate, I just held the steering wheel, like took my hands off of it, like right next to it. So I was like just brushing against it so I can grab it if I needed to. And when the lane finally turned it aggressively turned with the lane, but to a point where I had to grab the steering wheel and take control because I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't. It moved the car that aggressively. It felt like it was going to overcorrect and wind up being an issue. But 
maybe it wouldn't i don't know i I just i haven't i haven't had an open enough area with lines to play with it that much i didn't want to hit the jersey barrier in the company car or have somebody behind me call the cops because i think i'm a drunk driver you know who knows but it's it's just i don't know i'll play with it some more i'll report back i don't want to spend too much time talking about uh not toyota camrys um or their chinese competitor bamrys but i uh it seems to be a feature on a lot of new cars, and I know it's not every car yet. It hasn't been mandated yet, but this is the kind of thing I can picture the government mandating eventually. So, we shall see. So far, totally anti it. Also, it's frustrating as an insurance appraiser because a lot of these systems require calibration. And when a car gets in an accident, all these systems need to be calibrated before the car can go back on the road. And that's something that's not simple or able to be done at every repair facility either. So hmm. it becomes an extra step in the repair process now, which is where the term ADAS now comes from because we see ADAS companies popping up in existence that literally they have all of the, sorry, they have all of the tools to fix these different brands ADAS systems and they literally just exist just go from body shop to body shop and reset these programs Hmm. so and of course they charge whatever they damn well please so it's expensive which of course will cost the consumer more in the end when every time you take a bumper off a car you have $1,700 worth of reset procedures so There you have it. Interesting. Brad's rant of the week. Everybody Brought should drive to you 57 by Chevys. His company car. I, listen, I'm not anti that, as you know, but I, a, lot of, a lot of things are better in cars, and we, we can't sit here and, you know, cars aren't what they used to be, right? But that's a good thing, because cars, cars that we love kind of suck, and we don't love them because they're perfect. We love them for their flaws, right? Cars are safer, cars are better, cars are more efficient, yada, yada, yada. But there are some times where I think he just went too far. Like, we didn't ask for this. It's kind of like, I'm sure you saw the news story this week about the aqua lights in the new Mercedes. Nope. So Mercedes has gotten U.S. government approval for a level three autonomy. Yep. Which is like full self-driving beyond Tesla, what Tesla claims is full self-driving. And in order to get that clearance, they needed to have an indicator lamp on the car that showed that the car was in full self-driving so that when a police officer drives up next to the car and sees a person texting on their phone or reading a book, they can allow them to do that. So they have to have on all four corners of the car now aqua indicator lamps that show that the vehicle is in full self-driving mode i have to check the levels but i think it goes up to five and the baby's level but whatever whatever level it is they're the first one to have that level it's three and it's 100 percent. you're one two and then three and then there's like four and then like five is like nobody in the vehicle okay so that's like the waymo taxis or whatever yeah yeah i'm not sure what level it is i don't know the the things, but I know that that was the whole thing. And it's, it's not allowed yet on every road. It's certain 
you know, geofenced areas. Um, but sure, whatever. I, it's just it's just too much. Like just I don't the, understand just take the subway. I don't know. It's whatever. That's yeah. And aqua color is like aqua seems weird. Like it's not. There's no defined color that's aqua, right? Like, is it green? Is it yellow? Is it a little blue? Like, front-facing blue lights have been illegal for years, but now aqua's okay? Kind of bluish-green. So. I don't... See, I thought you were going to talk about uh, Volkswagen saying they're going back to buttons. No. No. That's also... Uh, so, Mercedes is level three. At full, full, uh, full autonomy. Anyway, yeah, so that's one of the other features that's coming. And you think lane assist is hard to reprogram after a collision. Full self-driving is going to be even worse. Well, it's supposedly so. not supposed to crash. That's the whole point. The problem is you might not. Maybe if, In a perfect world, if the car was perfect and never crashed, somebody was still crashing into it. Yeah. If, if it were perfect. But they're not perfect, as Tesla has shown. They're self-driving, sometimes still It's not crashes. real self-driving, though. That's the thing. I don't want to get into it, because it's annoying. Sure, but it's all it's all related, and I guess we'll start to, we'll just continue to talk about mid-90s, mid-70s forever, so that's what we know. I, I mean, the Camry talk. Why don't we talk about Camrys? Everybody said don't talk about Camrys. I'm all done talking about Camrys. I, I think, you know, from my hot take here is that self-driving is silly. And the money and mm-hmm. research that's being spent on self-driving should be spent on better public transit because it doesn't relieve cars from the road. The problem is there's too many cars on the road causing traffic jams. Sure. Yeah, we're the most anti-car car podcast ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm anti-commuting in cars. I am for driving yeah. cars to do fun things, but commuting in yes. cars is absolutely dumb. Yes. I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I don't necessarily enjoy commuting in a car and this is as a person i literally drive for a living now like yeah i drive my car all day so it is what it is it would definitely be easier if i can get in the train and go from place to place but then i wouldn't have a job because cars wouldn't be crashing yeah yeah so you know real yeah it's a real problem there real catch 22 here andrew (laughs) but you know like uh you know i worked there was a company next door that was doing uh gpr mapping GPR mapping okay. so that they can do self-driving so it would go off what's underground and like, ground yeah, penetrating radar time. like yeah spend time I've, doing I've, something useful I've learned what GPR is from watching Oak Island oh yes so. yeah 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 the uh, um, the triumvirate so, of, I think I, I, real quick the triumvirate of like shows I'm interested in they talk about GPR scuba diving uh, metal detecting <laughs> yes all of the things. Yeah. Hey, you, th- you think we're nerdy about cars? Talk to us about something else. I know so much about underground mining now and drilling. Yes, yes, so much. Um, yeah, it's. I think that's that's really where the whole thing comes down to. But the, during that whole the conversation of commute and drive versus public transportation and drive, uh, it's especially in an area where you live. You work in a city. You live in a suburb outside of that city, it should be easy for you to publicly transport yourself to work. Yeah. But it's not. No. 
it's virtually impossible to do it in any kind of efficient manner. And it takes pro if you did 100% public, if you did 100% public transportation, it would take you longer because you have to start by walking to the bus stop and then taking a bus, which are woefully inefficient in the PBD Salem area, taking a bus to the train station and then waiting for the train. So I had done it a few times when I lived in Georgetown mass and I worked in Hyde park. I, I couldn't do it 100%. I had to drive to a train station regardless because I lived in a more remote area than even you do. And if I did full public transportation from the next town to my town to the, my work, it involved two trains and two buses. And it was two and a half hours minimum, sometimes three to three and a half hours. So it definitely wasn't worth it when I could drive there in an hour and a half to two hours, which also wasn't great, but it was 30 miles. Like it wasn't that far, but it took forever to get there and there was no better way to do it. So I think 100% you are correct. Living in a city, it should be easier to do public transportation living outside the city. Fine. But yeah, anyway, enough anti-car. Let's go back to cars, Andrew. Uh, We actually have a topic. Do you want to get to the topic? Yeah, let's get right to it. So we have pedantic corrections in the Discord. Now, the reason to join the Discord because you can complain to us and correct us when we're wrong uh, and yeah. give your opinion. Um, I'm sure the complaint this week will be, you guys said you were going to do this topic and it took 36 minutes to get there because you talked about goddamn Camrys again. <laughs> um, yeah, we... Uh, oh, it came out because we were talking about um, celebrity spokespersons for cars and we we're trying to figure out japanese uh, automakers so we i went and i did a little more research on it um and we had suggestions from people it's hard and yeah so what's hard about it it's hard to find so because of our taste in cars i was trying yep. to find information about spokes persons for japanese cars in the u.s right and it was very difficult to find any kind of lists or even any documentation of them in the past anytime you did any kind of search it came american stars who did ad spots for japanese car companies in japan which yeah is wild and cool but not what i was trying to find out <laughs> There was so a most of what I found is going to be about of the week. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say there was a question. No, of the I, week I, post. I, I'm, I'm done. You can move on. Yeah. <laughs> on Japanese. Car? Week... Yes. Is there a delay tonight? Okay. I found that one too. I um, must be because I, I hear it just fine. I think that was, um, that was probably the most informative one that had the James Garner uh, as a spokesperson for Mazda, which I didn't know. Looking back, I I have vague memories of knowing that, but I never would have come up with that on my own. That's for sure. No, Because you said now it's Ant Anstead for Mazda? Yes. So that sort of tracks. He's a a celebrity who's a car person. Yep. Yep. It makes sense. 
and uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, and it was free on Amazon if you had Prime, but it's no longer free. There was a, it's called it was called it's called the Racing Scene, and it's a documentary of James Garner like running his racing teams and like doing some racing in the mid to late sixties, maybe early seventies. Uh, I think it's on Paramount Plus when I when I looked it up last week, but uh, you know if you've got access to it, I think there's like a crummy quality version of it on YouTube. It's really cool. It's like a really good documentary. Like he's, it starts out he's like wearing the Baja in one of those uh, Broncos from back in the day, and okay. he's got some other drivers doing like Formula Three Thousand and stuff. It's pretty cool. I don't think I've actually seen it, so that's worth watch. If and you, I don't have, if param- you have, I don't have Paramount Plus, so well, <laughs> you can watch the crummy version on YouTube, I guess. It's like somebody ripped it okay. from a VHS. Yeah, well, it's, I don't, I don't want to get into technology conversation again now, but I, I, I have so many streaming services, and Paramount Plus is not one of them. So, nope, I'll have to watch the nope. YouTube version. Uh, they're, and they're all combined up, and we're back to cable. Yep. Yep. So, this is what it is. We had actually, actually, we had a conversation in the household this morning about uh, how many things we subscribe to monthly and how much it actually does cost at the end of the day. So, yeah. Because you're like, uh. <laughs> but yeah, this is five bucks. This is 10 bucks, whatever. It's no big deal. Yeah, you're like, yeah, it's not it's 10 it bucks. And yeah, that multiplies. But yeah, all of a sudden you're 100 bucks real fast. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I think like two of the coolest ones and they're on YouTube. I think what I'll do after this is, uh, I'll, I'll wait a few days for this episode to, uh, marinate out there in the world. And, uh, then I'll put these links up in the discord. So another reason to join the discord, the, I think the coolest one was he did the 89 RX seven. The GTU, yeah. Um, but it's like he's driving the race car in the commercial. Yeah, I didn't come across that. I didn't come across that one. Oh, That's should we cool. should we pause and you can watch it and then we'll have a reaction? <laughs> I guess we could. Sure. Yeah. All right. if I'd like to take some hot laps in one of their RX-7 race cars, they didn't have to ask twice. Whew, I'm telling you, nothing pours out power as smoothly as a rotary engine. It makes for a great race car and a great sports car. This RX-7 also has one of the most advanced suspension systems in the world. It loves to be driven hard. Check it out. But don't blame me if you start hating what you're driving now. Want to take it out again, Mr. Garner? Like I said, you don't have to ask me twice. All right. What do you think of that? Uh, well, it's not eighty nine. There's an error with the listing. Okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, because they would not have advertised the nineteen eighty nine Mazda RX seven by showing a nineteen eighty six or maybe eighty seven. Okay. Nerd I mean, alert. listen. It's 
it's a it has the four lug pepper pot wheels and the black rub strips, which was the earlier car. So it uh, definitely the black rub strips might have been eighty nine, but the four four uh, four lug wheels. Might. I think anyway, you get them both ways, so depending on the model. But no, not not that late. <laughs> nope. Um, somebody tell me I'm wrong. But yeah. I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm pretty sure by eighty nine they were all five lug cars. So okay. anyway. Uh, it's cool. Um, it shows him driving the IMSA GTU car, blue and yellow car with fixed headlights, which is rad. Um, and I think he says uh, nothing pours out power smoother than a rotary engine. And he's not wrong. They're very smooth. Yeah. It, so, it kind of looks cool like head. it looks like Larm Rock without like weed control, but I'm not sure where it is. I can't say that I noticed what track it was at. You know, it could have been like so. 80s Lime Rock. Who knows? It's one of those. Could have been like Road America or something, but I don't think it's Lime Rock. I'm just rewatching it right now. It's uh oh, it's it's gonna be Road Atlanta. I think. You think so? Nope, it's a wall, not seats. Yeah, who mind. knows? Carry on. I thought he was at the end of the commercial was showing him sitting in the. Uh, it might be Atlanta. I don't know. I don't know. Nonetheless, very cool commercial. It's cool that it shows the race car trim and then the actual streetcar as well so that's that's really neat but no i dig it yeah so that's probably the coolest one he does another one for the 929 which is kind of a, a random thing that's such a oddball car yeah it's kind of a it's a it's a bad name for a luxury car but uh they kind of competed with like the cressida and stuff yeah they were trying that was their that was their idea yeah. but they didn't quite make it well the cool thing about that car it had the swinging vents yeah so when you turned on the air conditioning of the heat you could turn on the oscillating feature and the vents in the dashboard would swing back and forth left or right yeah really there's a you know there's an alternate universe where you know it wasn't just toyota honda and nissan that launched luxury brands you know mazda and mitsubishi and subaru launched a luxury brand too right Subaru did? I don't know what Subaru would have tried to. Maybe not. But Mitsubishi tried to with I mean, the Diamante. Um Yeah, they didn't try a brand though. They just um, had But neither did cars. Mazda. I'm I'm this is my alternate universe where they would have Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. They would have launched a, a Lexus Infinity uh Yeah, I mean I guess Subaru Acura. if you if you look at like uh a, an early legacy like LL Bean would be there luxury version of a vehicle because yeah it was based on the it was it wasn't its own whole car but it was a luxury-esque brand like they, they came out with premium things like the svx and then eventually they had their giant suv the tribeca that yeah was maybe it would have been like a, a luxury brand uh oh call back to angie tribeca there um yeah maybe it would have been like the subaru like or like um oh, whatever the name of the the constellation, I think it's Pallades. Maybe they would have called Pallades, their luxury yeah. brand Pallades or something. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, Mazda maybe, and, and, and Mitsubishi probably would have done it as well with the, like you said, the Diamante, and they would yep. have had like the Galant VR4 would have been a luxury brand like the G20 was. Yeah. So, but you know. Anyway, 
speaking of Honda, uh, I think, so like currently in the U.S., maybe we talked about this, it's John Cena. And it's currently? Not, yeah, it's at least his voice. He does voice work hmm. for it. Uh, confirmed, by the way, uh, 87 was the last year before Lug RX-7. Okay. So. Yeah, you never noticed the any Honda commercial that's John Cena? No. I guess I don't know his voice well enough to have picked up on it. And then, I haven't paid attention really to a Honda commercial since they fired the crab. So, uh, and what about like you've never seen any of the articles about him driving a Civic Type R? I know he drives a Civic Type R for his daily vehicle. Yes, I that, didn't. That is because he's the Honda spokesperson. That makes more sense. I thought it was just because he had good taste. He does have good taste. I guess he really likes the car from what he's talked about it. But he's paid to drive it, so now it's suspect. Okay. I guess. Listen, bring back the crab. All I want all I want is the crab. I pinch. The crab? Do you remember the crab? No. He was uh for the when the Honda for Element the came out. Yep. Those were the whole ad campaign was Element and Friends. And Those there were, were multiple TV different ads? animal ones. Yes. I thought they were printed they ads. No, they were printed ads as well. Because I remember the Duckbill Platypus one. You're quite a yep, conundrum. Same, same, same ad campaign. But they had the whole thing with the, with the crab, and the crab would be like, I pinch? No, no, you don't pinch. Okay, I pinch. So oh, they had yeah. a whole catchphrase was just, I pinch. And it was definitely a TV ad, and there were tons of it. And they eventually, his name was Gil, I think. Okay. Gil, Gil, Gil the crab. Deep. Yeah, but anyway, they, they had a whole... They had a whole big thing where they fired him, and then uh, Whoa. early internet days, they came back. It was like a petition to bring him back. It was a whole thing. I, don't I can't believe I remember that. I, no, I just yeah. remember the Duckbill Platypus, but it was not Conundrum. Um, uh, what what in the word? What's the word I'm trying to think of? Because the oh, element was such a the, weird vehicle, and then the, the Duckbill Platypus yeah. is a weird animal, and it was like something to do with that. Like, Yeah, uh, it was like you're, like, you're like me. Yeah. What the heck was it? What word? Oh, we're going to have to look it up. I don't know. Yeah, I'm actually trying to look it up, but it's not actually working because that's too deep of an old commercial to find quickly on the internet, apparently. Yeah. I'll, you try to look it up. I'll keep. Did you know that? Uh, you keep it going here. Did you know that ZZ Top did a Honda Z ad in Japan? I didn't. Now, the problem with the Japan ones is that we never saw them. No. So it makes sense because it is Z, right? Yeah. So and they're car guys, which is funny. I don't think they big time car guys. I don't think like they, American I don't know if, guys. Yeah, I don't know if they drive a Honda Z, but no, probably not. Um, but so we were really exposed to some of their stuff because, you know, the for lack of a better word, the boomer generation that was producing model cars in our youth was obsessed with old American hot rods and ZZ top. And they made like all of their cars as model kits. Like you could buy their 33 Ford with the big ZZ on the side as a model kit. Cadzilla was a model kit you get when we were kids or preteens. That was a ZZ top car. And there were a few others as well. Did we get the, we're going to go way off topic here, which is what we like to do. Did we get to see Cadzilla? Was that the Peterson? I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a cool car. It was the Peterson. We were there once. Yep. Yeah. That's a it was parked car. next to the uh, Hirohita Merc. Yeah, I um. So is uh. See, I've been out of it that for a while. 
Um, I know you had that picture on Instagram of that cool hot rod. Um, are billet builds still a thing? Like the Boyd Cotton. Which hot rod are we talking about? Billet. Oh, the one I just looked the other day, the St. Christopher? Yeah. Um, so billet cars are still a thing with people who built the billet cars in the 80s and 90s. Okay. But they've gone out of style with people who weren't of hot rod building age at that time. It was like... So, like, the car that I posted the other day, the St. Christopher, is far from a billet build. Yeah. So, it's it just a made me think very, of it. Yeah, it's a very period... It's a, it's a very modern take on period correct. How's that sound? Okay. So it's it's made with mostly period parts, but with modern paint colors and and stuff. So it's it's I don't know, call it, almost retro futuristic, I guess. Like it's okay. It's built if the car was built in 1958 with technology from today. So the style is very, I feel you, yeah, in period. Yeah, but cool. the build is out of period, and it's literally the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... yeah, South City Rod and Customs Saint Christopher. If you know the car I'm talking about, that's the one. It's like it's on our Instagram tone. Right, I took a nice picture yeah. of it. Yeah, took four or five. Yeah, I posted four or five nice pictures of it. I was actually pretty frustrated with that because it was one of my best car show pictures I've ever taken, and it got like. 40 interactions. All right. Go give Brad cool. some likes. Make his ego feel better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it, it just that, I don't know, that I was just looking at Hot Rods and I was like, I think what Brad posted there is what's in for Hot Rods now. And I don't think, I was pretty sure Billet stuff was out. Like it's. Period correct is, is always in. It never will go out of style. Yeah. Um, which in a weird way, Billet stuff is period correct to a period. Yeah, it is now. But yeah and it, like billet cars are now antiques themselves style is a hard thing to quantify um period correct i think about is the first way it was done so cars in the 70s the style of the 70s i don't think is nearly as popular as the style from the 50s and 60s and the billet stuff obviously is not as popular and i don't know that it ever will be but the traditional tradition, I think, will always be in style because that was what was cool immediately. Yeah. Um, if you look at seventies custom stuff that is back is in style now, it's more of like the lowrider stuff because lowrider stuff was getting really big in the late sixties and the early seventies, and that went through the seventies. And a car built today with like crossing the lines between a traditional custom and a lowrider is that very 70s style. So, yeah. we, I don't, celebrity celebrity ads where it's phew, laser focused Andrew, laser focused. Listen. I mean, we yeah. got there. <laughs> I um yeah, I I, like... have a, I have a real I have a real real like super strong desire to build a late 60s early 70s style mild custom okay out of like a late 50s early 60s car and it will once i've figured out the disaster of cars that i currently own which i think we'll have a conversation about next week for our new year's resolution episode yep um it's it's in the plans that there will be something along those lines eventually built so 
it's all I can think about lately. Like all these Mitsubishi's and sports cars and stuff that are always in my head, but I've had this like big American cruiser in my head for a while now. So anyway, carry on. All right. So yeah, um, we don't need to watch this one. The the ZZ top one. I'll just post it. No, the, I'm sure it's two dudes spinning guitars. Yeah. Yeah. Z 600. One that shocked me. Another Japanese one. I mean, it makes sense because they're kind of obsessed with Western culture, especially in the eighties and nineties. Sure. There is a madness ad for the Honda City. The band, the madness. Yeah, like the ska band madness. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't look into like songs. I was looking more in like celebrities, like Bruce Willis and the Dahatsu Mira. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, let's see. Do you want to watch the Motocompo one, and we'll have a react. Motocompo. Yeah, it's, the original Motocompo. It's a, it's a city. Yeah, it's a Honda City and Motocompo ad. City, 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 Honda. <laughs> they really pulled out all the stops with the lyrics for that one. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, uh, that's as, as 80s scar as it gets. Um, it barely mentions the Moto Compo, which just shows them take it out of the back. Yeah, right. But they mostly talk about the car. So that's, uh, that's interesting. You know what the fun fact about the Moto Compo is? Okay. So usually when you go to a a Radwood or a JCCS or oh, whatever. Yeah. Now you'll see a Honda city turbo two yep. or turbo with the Honda Moto Compo scooter in the back. Yep. Uh, the Moto Compo was never available with the Honda city. Turbo. Ooh. Walk up to this. Available. Like, actually, this never actually, came with this vehicle. Yes. Uh, it was only available in the base model, uh, Honda city or the regular Honda city on the turbo. Yeah. So, yep. Tell them that they're wrong. A real, uh, a real deep cut would be to dress as madness, all your buddies, and it would be of... so deep that nobody would know what yeah. the hell was going on. Yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting. It's funny though because the Moto Compo scooter has surpassed the value of the Honda City non turbo. Yeah, so I mean, a Honda City turbo for some reason is twenty five thirty grand, but a Honda City not turbo is like. Three thousand dollars. Yep. And for some reason, people are spending like six to ten grand on motocompos. That's madness, for lack of a better word. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, totally unplanned. I promise. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's gross. I don't understand because they're neat little things as a thing, but as an actual useful thing, like whatever. I don't know. So. It looks like they were multiple Madness Honda City ads. Yeah. By the way, so they did a whole little a little thing, but yeah, there's like so there's multiple ones with Michael J. Fox for the Integra, which is kind of yep. wild. But they and they play like um, "Gotta Go Back in Time," 
or Power of Love. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, because he was at the... So they... Songs from his famous movie at the time. Yep. Uh, Jodie Foster does a Civic Fiero. Is it F-E-R-I-O? Fiero? Ferio. Ferio? Ferio. Yeah. Ferio. Weird. Uh, Who did that one? Jodie Foster. Okay. Interesting. That was in 93. Harrison Ford, Honda Legend. Yeah, I saw that like 92 or something. Yeah, kind of weird, right? That's very interesting, too. I mean, they're all kind of weird because they would never do commercials in this country at that point in their careers. Like 1992, Harrison Ford was not. Doesn't do TV commercials for work. Yeah, he doesn't do TV commercials at all. He's way too popular, but he'll do them overseas. Yeah. And I guess probably in 92, he was probably like, nobody will ever see this because the internet will never exist. <laughs> yeah. There will never be a, there will never be a YouTube. And guess what, guy? Now there's YouTube and we can see them all. Again, Bruce Willis in a Daihatsu Mura. Like, yeah. Eddie Murphy doing the Celica. Like, there's so many weird things. I like the Bruce Willis one because they own, like, it's, uh, it's very meta where he, they make fun of him that he's speaking Japanese but not doing very well. Okay. Did you watch it? Uh, I'm currently watching it right now. All right. Here. Um, we'll, we'll watch it. Daihatsu. リッターさん、ダイハツ。いつもブルース この高い壁を見ないしで突き破ってほしい。こんな感じだ。危ないよ。危ない。映画でやってたじゃないか、ブルース。危ない。危ない。危なくない、危なくない。ダイハツ。これはすごいぜ、ミライス。リッター 大発明。よく覚えた。ブルース。リッター30キロもない。ああ、俺でだわ。大発明。あ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、それ、
says its own name, but it says Daihatsu. It doesn't say Daihatsu. But every time that they have Bruce Willis say it, he says Daihatsu. So is that part of the joke? Is it just Daihatsu? I don't know. Do we have to uh, contact our friend Paul and find out the proper pronunciation of Daihatsu? I don't know. And then at the end, uh, they have um, the Japanese guy just dubs over Bruce Willis. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 a whole series of commercials that all go together. It's pretty good. I mostly unaware of that one. So, mm-hmm. good and stuff. of course, good stuff. So, okay. um, what were you gonna say? I said, well, we are down that rabbit hole of what I could also find was the Japanese commercials for Japanese car companies with American stars. Uh, and you didn't bring up uh, the Mitsubishi one, of course, with an American star. Did you find that one at all? What's that one? Meg Ryan for the Mitsubishi Dingo. What? Yep. Oh, I didn't know about this one. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Andrew's turn for us to take a pause and watch a commercial. Just because it has Navi Dingo. navigation in 1995, so that's why it's called a Navi Dingo. A Navi Navi Dingo. Navi Navi Dingo. <laughs> Where are we? Navi Navi. Weird. So basically, it's Meg Ryan getting in the car with I don't know if it's actually her family, and they speak English the entire commercial. Um, and then they say Navi Navi Dingo a few times, and the son in the car when they get out says, "Where are we?" Or she says, where are we? And the son goes, Navi Navi. <laughs> like, of course, we're at Navi Navi. <laughs> so it's interesting because it's a Mitsubishi Dingo. Uh, but if you notice in the commercial in the bottom right, it says Car Plaza. Car Plaza? Yep. Yeah, Which Car was... Plaza was Mitsubishi's like boutique store where they you didn't go to a Mitsubishi dealer to buy a Dingo. You went to the Car Plaza dealer. So Yeah, you can get my Gullwing Eclipse there. It's where they sold Eclipses, yep strange little fact that they did that I don't, there's a couple other brands that did that too but i don't know them top of my head just i know the mitsubishi stuff because i don't know mitsubishi nerds but yeah navi navi dingo so i have one more japanese one okay um then i have a u.s one after that but you'll know it uh so actually i'll just say honorable honorable mention we everybody who grew up in the U.S. in the 90s knows Paul Hogan, Subaru Outback. Sure. Uh, do you remember the ad? It's like driving the Outback. They're like like driving it fast and like it's outrunning all other SUVs and like they're still back there. It's like, you know, Explorers and stuff. Okay. I don't know. Do you remember that one? It was from like 96. I, I have vague memories of it for sure. Yeah. But that was just kind of a, a blue... Subaru Outback. Yeah, that was just a funny thing that like 
because he was like kind of it'd been like 10 years since probably uh crocodile dundee and then crocodile uh, dundee brought him out for the subaru outback yeah i think they should have done like that's not an suv this is a suv but they never did yeah they never did do that so um nope that would have been the way i should be a commercial writer yeah and then you'll You'll, you might not recognize the name, but you'd recognize the actor when you see him. Uh, okay. Kyle McLaughlin for the 1993 Subaru Impreza. WRX. Um, so I Twin Peaks. I, okay. Yep. So here, we'll, we'll pause and let you watch it. So, what do you think about that? We were just talking about it. I didn't hit record yet, but we're watching the ad. You'll have to go and watch it. But it looks like it was definitely done in America. Yeah, for sure. Because in the end, it shows him sitting in like a, a coffee shop or something. Yeah, and there's like, parked outside. Yeah, and there's like an American and you can parking see the, meter. The parking meters are clearly American parking meters, for sure. That's interesting. Like they didn't fly him to California; they flew a car to America. Yeah. So now the question is, where is that car? <laughs> where is the one 1992 WRX station wagon that made it to Portland, Oregon? <laughs> yeah. Or California, or wherever it happens to be. So that's that's different because I don't know. Was Twin Peaks a success in Japan? Like dubbed over? Like maybe. It wasn't really a success here the first time it aired. It's a cult hit here. It was kind of one of those cult sleeper hits that was like, it was a success in syndication and on VHS. (laughs) Like, it didn't do well because it was weird. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's a a very cool show. But in 1992, it was so out of left field that it didn't do well. It's kind of like the first run of, you know, Arrested Development was like ahead of its time, you know? Yeah. It didn't really... Uh, yeah, if you launched Twin Peaks really today on like Netflix or something as a new show... Yeah, it'd be huge. Yeah. It'd be huge. Because um, it is a good show. It, just, it was a good show in a wrong time. I actually never watched it. Oh. I, I haven't watched the whole thing, but I should go back to the beginning and watch it. I know we have one uh, former guest slash listener who is yelling at his radio right now for both of us for not knowing more about Twin Peaks. Okay. So, sorry, Ron. <laughs> but calling him out publicly as a big twin. I bet fan. he didn't know Cal McLaughlin was a, in a 1993 Subaru WRX commercial. He probably didn't. He probably didn't. And uh, I challenge him to be such a big Twin Peaks fan now that he can go out and buy a imported 1992 Subaru WRX station wagon. <laughs> Just for that fact. So that's what I Very got. Cool. <laughs> So the big American one that we didn't talk about much last week was Paul Newman, right? And I think but that was that... mostly Japan, right? Nissan, Japan? No, that was mostly here. Really? So here's the thing. The word spokesperson, spokesman, spokeswoman, 
what we talked about mostly today is singular ads. Like they were in one or two ads for one model of car. A spokesperson, spokesman, spokeswoman usually is the face of the company for a period of time across the whole line. And that's like what the this whole conversation started because of Rashida Jones being the Mitsubishi spokesperson. Well, that was James Garner for now, Mazda. That was definitely James Garner for Mazda, but it was also Paul Newman for Nissan because Paul Newman was so Nissan that they had like Paul Newman editions and they had Paul Newman racing teams and he was featured in a lot of print ads at the time, not so much video ads because hmm. I don't think Nissan even did a lot of video ads in the in the 80s here. Um, they definitely did it in Japan for Skylines and stuff because obviously Newman raced Skylines in international competition. But he would have been what I would consider to be a spokesperson for the brand versus a celebrity in a commercial, hmm. I think is the is the difference in what we're talking about here. And that's, you know, that goes the way of Joe Azuzu, right? Joe Azuzu was a spokesperson for, yep. I mean, a fictional spokesperson. David Leisure was the guy playing the character, but he was a fictional spokesperson for the whole entire company for a very long period of time. Um I'd even go so far as to say that Jackie Chan was a spokesperson for Mitsubishi for a long period of time. He didn't do commercials necessarily for Mitsubishi, but he did two and a half hour long feature films where every car he drove was a Mitsubishi and every car in the background was a Mitsubishi. And they sold Jackie Chan edition vehicles in Japan because he was their spokesperson. So I would say to me, the most iconic of the Japanese spokespersons uh, for Japanese cars, maybe not in America, but in general to me would be Jackie Chan just because of the lasting staying power that his movies have, you know, people still watch Jackie Chan movies today and are big fans of Jackie Chan's work. And they watch all his 80s stuff and they're going to be force fed Mitsubishi's the entire time. Like we've all, uh, we, we talked about, and you and I have both seen, was it Thunder? Oh, Thunderbolt. what's the name of that race car? Right? Thunderbolt. Thank you. Yeah, Thunderbolt. So where it's literally the entire movie is like a Rocky story of Jackie Chan building an Evo to go racing. Mm-hmm. So, and he has another one where he is driving a food truck, and the food truck is a tricked out Mitsubishi minicab. And he has another one where he drives a. 80s wedge shaped colt with a roof cut off into a convertible and it's literally every every movie in the 80s jackie chan he drives mitsubishis it's it's just how it is so i think that he would be the biggest spokesperson i could think of of the era for a japanese vehicle not necessarily in the states i think that definitely goes to either james garner or joe azuzu because they were the only ones that were throughout the brand through multiple cars through multiple commercials so that's my kind of tying it all together in the end into a conversation of a spokesperson versus single ad campaign. So I don't know. A spokesperson's always been a big part of the car industry, right? I mean, American cars for years have had their characters. Everybody always talks about the um, rich Corinthian leather and Ricardo Multibon and the Chrysler Cordoba or... Um, now top of my head i can't think of any more but you know what i mean there's always those spokespeople for 
for cars and the ones that are remembered more so than others. But for me, it's the Jackie Chan cars. What about you? Uh, as far as spokespeople? Mm-hmm. What's the most iconic to you? I mean, I would probably, like, as far as remembering stuff, um, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. I, like, I would only say, uh, I mean, Nissan for a while used Mr. K, Mr. Kadayama. He was in a lot of the early 90s ones. I mean, I remember like, it's funny. I, I remember less like spokespeople and more like, um, like just campaigns. their campaigns. Sure. Like the, the guy that Nissan had for a while would be like, dogs love trucks. And that's Mr. Kadayama. That's Is Mr. It? K. He's the, he's the father of the Datsun Z car in America. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. And like, of course, like the the GI Joe 300ZX commercial, even though they didn't make a 300ZX at that time when it came out, they didn't. No, it came out after the 300ZX was over. Okay. So. Well, then there's the the famous ad. I think we've talked about it before. Um, the. Cadillac Katera had a sort of spokesperson, but it was the character from the TV show Chicago Hope that GM paid to have a, cat- a character named Lisa Katera. Oh. So the name was Lisa A. Katera. What? When the car came out. I never heard yeah. that. Yep. Weird. So G- GM paid the producers of the show to have a character named Lisa Katera when the car was new. Oh, that is some deep knowledge. That yeah, <laughs> I was not aware of. Yeah, wow. So deep yeah. pull didn't work obviously because the Cadillac Catera and Chicago Hope are both long erased from everybody's memory. Yeah, they uh, they zigged away, I guess. Yeah, they zigged and they sort of zagged. I, I remember worked... that ad campaign with the the ducks would turn yeah, the duck. Yep. Yeah, I worked at a Cadillac dealer actually in that period, and we knew immediately they were going to be doomed for failure because I think they came out in 98, maybe sometime around then, 98, 99. And I worked at the dealership in probably 01-ish. Yeah. And we had a line of them out back. Like a literal entire back row of the parking lot with Cadillac Ateras. Because they're Opals, right? They were Opal Omegas. Um, and most of them either needed cylinder heads or head gaskets. And we couldn't get them. They just didn't exist in this country. And the cars just sat there. And sat there forever. And we're like, yeah, these cars aren't going to... uh, Aren't going to last very long. So. Weird. But anyway. Yep. Yeah, Lisa Katera. Lisa Katera. (laughs) Brilliant, right? (laughs) Like such like, what they think it was gonna be like subliminal marketing campaign? Yeah, that was the whole thing. My goodness. I mean, hey, listen, maybe maybe it's a rumor and it's not substantiated. I don't know. I just remember hearing about it and being like, interesting. That's quite a quite a coincidence because it all happened in like '98. 
So weird. Yep. And listen, I don't care about Cadillac Ateras or Chicago Hope, but that knowledge is stuck. In I my feel head like you'd be a guy that would drive a Katera. I would 100% drive a Katera. I saw one a couple days ago and I was like, oh man, a Katera. But that's either here that's or there, Andrew. That's either here or there. I assume at this point you could probably get parts for them um, just because nobody else wants them. Yeah, that's probably some so, owner's group that's way into I'm them. I'm sure there is. Actually, how cool would it be? Because they were rear wheel drive. Let's LS swap a Katera. I bet that's a thing. Yeah. I'm into it. Now I want one. All right, cool. My brain. LS1 into a Katera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a thing for sure. All right, before we get too off We're already topic. too deep, Andrew. Sorry, too, too off topic. We talked about celebrities and wanted talking about lowriders and traditional customs, and now we're talking about Cadillacs nobody cares about. I hope everybody's happy that we're off the topic of Camrys and on to the topic of Kateras. Yep. So. Well, on that note, uh, Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me musing about Kateras and Camrys on the internet on Instagram at TSISS350. Also find me on threads on the same name. Uh, they can find Scale Auto stuff from both of us at Scale Autocast. Second episode gets recorded <laughs> next week. So that's uh, that's upcoming. And they can find me on the podcast socials, which I'll let you push with your stuff. Where can they find yeah, you? Yeah, uh, Auto Off Topic Podcast on Facebook. Auto Off Topic on Instagram and threads. And I am Race and Anger on Threads and Instagram. And uh, yeah, I think that's it right now. You already, you already talked about Scale Autocast. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So also, one final time, go join the Discord. It's fun. And uh, I'll put all links to the videos after a few days after this episode's out. Oh, and currently currently the Scale Autocast slash Auto Off Topic group build is live. I'll put yep. another reminder post up this week, uh, and I'll put some uh, some teasers of what's getting built uh, up this week, so we can I get some, uh, some more builds. We got about ten or fifteen being built right now. I think I gotta I gotta change the kit because the kit that I was gonna do, I've got parts coming for it. They're late, so I'm gonna do a different kit that okay. I have here. Well, I'm planning on doing two kits. Is my hope. So hopefully I can get there. Yeah, Once well, next we're gonna right talk now. more about this on scale autocast so sure all right cool as always keep cars analog and aim the roses